The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's the first Monday after the first Sunday of the regular season, and here are your top NFL stories from ProFootballTalk.com. You know, that's, that's the job that we have, is to make sure that, uh, you know, we find ways to, to persevere through whatever, uh, play through whatever, whatever situations, whatever, you know, weather, and in this case, lightning, uh, that just happens. And, you know, I thought we handled it well with the two times that we had to do it. But, uh, you know, in the end, we didn't do enough to win the game. We didn't coach well enough, and we didn't play well enough. It was a marathon day in South Florida for the Titans and the Dolphins thanks to a couple of lengthy weather delays. In all, one game took longer than two games would have taken. And at the end of the game, the Titans missing multiple key players. Marcus Mariota, the biggest name to watch, a shoulder and elbow problem. Still no word on what actually the issue is, but obviously without Marcus Mariota, it's a fairly steep drop down to Blaine Gabbert, and injuries continue to be an issue for Mariota, a guy who is not really big, but a guy who uses his body and sometimes gets himself into problems. Delaney Walker, huge problem there, dislocated ankle. He's out for the year, and it was obvious when you saw that one that it was an issue for him. So the Titans, in addition to losing on the road to start the season and spending more than six hours trying to get the game accomplished, they're going to have to regroup without Walker and possibly without Mariota as a team that made it to the Final Eight a year ago tries to find a way to contend in 2018. And when I saw the ball in the air, I literally thought first thing, like, what is Tom thinking? <laughs> when that ball was in the air, I had like a guy grabbing me. And I was like, I just got to go for it. Can't let, can't, let them, uh, can't let them make a play on it. So just went up for it, made the catch. And I, I did make the catch. I don't know how. When I went to the ground, I mean, I had it stabled in my hand. So it was definitely a catch. But Tom went up to the line really quick just to make sure I got, got the playoff, uh, which, which was nice. And, key moment near the end of the first half of the Texans-Patriots game. It came when Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski made a 28-yard catch, hit the ground, and appeared to possibly have lost possession of the ball. Replay review would have potentially confirmed it or reversed it. We'll never know because the replay official failed to buzz down in time to the field to activate the replay process. Yes, the Patriots got their next playoff before the replay official could initiate replay review. The league admitted after the game that that's what happened, and it's not much solace for the Houston Texans, who couldn't have thrown the red challenge flag because there's fewer than two minutes left in the half. And by rule, if you throw the red challenge flag there, you get a yellow flag thrown against you. Now, Coach Bill O'Brien bristled at the suggestion he should have called a timeout, but the league admits that in a situation like that, if you call the timeout and they do the replay review, you get the timeout back. Okay, fine. You should have called the timeout. But more importantly, why not let the coach throw the red flag? Isn't that the equivalent of calling a timeout in that spot? Isn't the consequence the same? If you get the timeout back, if the play gets reviewed, well, okay, you lose your timeout if you throw the red flag and the play doesn't get overturned. It's roughly the same deal. So just let him throw the red flag. 
let them throw the red flag at any time because there's always that chance the replay official isn't going to buzz down quickly enough. Let the coach with the red flag be the fallback in that situation or even if the replay official disagrees. If the coach wants to throw the red flag, why should he be prevented from doing it simply because there's supposedly a guarantee of automatic review? Because in this case, clearly wasn't automatic. The Ravens hurry to the line. 21 seconds left in the half. Flacco takes the snap. He wants to throw. Looking left. Lobs it to the end zone. Looking for Crabtree. Crabtree makes the catch. Does he get his feet in bounds? The officials confer. Touchdown, Ravens. Michael Crabtree on an amazing throw from Joe Flacco. The primary talking point out of that 47-3 shellacking of the Buffalo Bills by the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday was that the Bills completely and totally suck. Well, how about let's flip it around? Maybe the Bills aren't horrible. They made it to the playoffs last year. Maybe the Ravens are just great. Maybe the Ravens, with some actual receivers for a change, can compliment Joe Flacco, who only responds, apparently, when he's got something that is dramatically motivating him to respond. But the Ravens maybe, possibly, are going to be a great team this year. And maybe we're going to see more outcomes like 47-3. to With that defense, which is still among the best in the NFL, and an offense that has found a way to improve, consider this yesterday, the new receivers. Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, John Brown, they each had a touchdown reception from Joe Flacco. If they can put the two sides together, and how, how many teams are lopsided, skewed toward offense or defense? If the Ravens can be a balanced team with a great offense and a great defense, maybe it's not about the Bills from Sunday. Maybe that outcome has a lot more to do with the Baltimore Ravens. The NFL continues to try to make the kickoff safer, and Sunday was the first regular season full-blown experiment with that new kickoff formation that dramatically changes what it used to be, all in the name of taking high-speed collisions out of the game. Now, the goal is to make the kickoff safer. I don't know how safe the NFL wants it to be. They won't say they don't know. It's just safer. Under the old formation, you were four or five to one times more likely to suffer a concussion on a kickoff than on a scrimmage play. I think they're going to look at this kickoff formation year to year. They could decide after 2018 it's still safe enough that we're going to continue to use it. Maybe after 2019 they change their mind. Either way, at some point, I think the kickoff could be scrapped altogether. And plenty of people say, what would the NFL use in its place? Well, the idea would be, at least as far as the NFL has considered it to date, the Greg Schiano-Rutgers proposal. Remember when Schiano was the head coach there, Eric Legrand suffered a catastrophic neck injury during a game. And that inspired Schiano to come up with an idea to give the kicking team the ball as a scrimmage play, fourth and 15. You punt it, you fake punt, you go for it, whatever the case may be. It allows the onside kick to be simulated in that setting because if you just put the ball at the other team's 25, there's no chance for a team that is trailing to try to get back into it late in the game with an onside kick. That's going to be the key. If there is some alternative to the kickoff, there has to be a way for the team that is behind to still have a chance, slim as it may be, to retain possession. And I'm told the NFL seriously considering this Rutgers idea with a 4th and 15 play as the eventual replacement for the kickoff, if and when the kickoff ever goes away. Ball is inside the 25 of the Browns at the 22. The fullback is Nix. The running back in the back of the eye is Connor. Brown wide to the right. Big Ben gives, and Connor runs it through a hole again. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. James Connor wide open. His second touchdown of the game. James Connor had 192 yards from scrimmage for the Steelers on Sunday, but the Steelers had a tie. It prompted 
Le'Veon Bell, the holdout running back, to take to Twitter and use the Colonel Clink emoji. I still don't know what that means. I don't know what many of these emojis mean. I definitely don't know what that one means, but it was enough for Bell to post it. And someone asked him whether he was throwing shade at the Steelers. He said, no shade. I've just never witnessed a tie before. I have a feeling at some point in his life he has. And at some point this year, I have a feeling he will return. The question is, when and he has until the Tuesday after week 10 to show up the Steelers have shown no inclination to budge in any way shape or form when it comes to possibly giving Bell more money on a one-year deal possibly trading him possibly rescinding the franchise tender so if this is going to end it's going to be because he ends it and again he has until the Tuesday after week 10 to show up get credit for this year of his contract and force his way to the open market in 2019 so when will he show up I look at it this way if he's already given up one game check why not give up 10 if the idea is to preserve yourself and the only way that maybe he decides to show up is if he looks at James Conner and he realizes hey he's the guy that's going to get 30 touches a game if I come back I'm not getting 30 he'll get some I'll get some and I'll have less wear and tear in exchange for the $855,000 that I'll be making per week that may be the thing that causes him to come back either way the ball's in his court he's got Nine more weeks he can miss. We'll see how many he misses before he shows up. Second and four, Kansas City, leading by four. High snap, Mahomes, play fake. Zips a pass, caught by Tyreek Hill, missed tackle. At the 40, at the 30, he's into jet propulsion. 10, 5, touchdown! A terrifically quick release by Patrick Mahomes on a slant of 58 yards. Touchdown, Kansas City! I'm here with Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy, and Mike Tarigo, and it was kind of the forgotten game today, the 4.05 p.m. Eastern kickoff, <laughs> the regional broadcast, but... Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs going to L.A. to take on the Chargers in Mahomes' debut as week one starter. And he's as good as I believed he would be so far, Coach. You're right. You called for him, and you said he was going to light it up. And I'll tell you, this reminds me of 2010. Andy Reid was in Philadelphia. He had had a lot of playoff experience with Donovan McNabb, and he made the decision he was going to go with Michael Vick. And... I didn't understand it at the time, but Andy saw the potential of big plays, and it's the same thing. Alex Smith took him to a bunch of playoffs, but he said Patrick Mahomes can make big plays and take this offense to another level, and that's what it looked like today. I mean, when you look at their offense, they have basically everything. They have a great tight end, great running back, a good specialist guy that can do a little bit of everything. They went out and got Sammy Watkins so they can have that deep threat. The only thing they were missing was that explosive quarterback, and, you know, you look at Alex Smith, he took them as far as they could possibly go. Now they needed that young guy to give, get them over the hump, and now this is a really exciting offense, which Mike has the potential to be great and there was a almost a quarterback food chain right you had Mahomes who replaced Smith who's in the position <laughs> yeah. where Cousins was and now Case Keenum who left Minnesota and goes to Denver and all four of the guys in the food chain won and they all helped their teams look a little bit better yes yes Alex Smith looked like a very comfortable fit and you know, the one part of that story was Bradford who was with Minnesota and then he got moved around last year and Arizona looked really poor there are some teams that really put stinkers out there in week one. And Arizona and Buffalo, part of that story that we'll and, be talking about. What about the Chargers? They are now the annual this is their year team, <laughs> right? Every year, this is their year, this is their year. They're at home. You wouldn't tell if you looked at the crowd, though, because it was all red. But how, how do we keep falling for the Chargers every year? And again, it's just one game, but you can't lose at home week one to a division they, rival. Not that way. They've got to be devastated because it was the same thing last year. Hey, we've got a good team, and they came out of the box very poorly. They're playing at home, division game, 
and you just can't even slow Kansas City down. I think we get so caught up in the type of talent that they have. We look at individual positions. They have such, you know, talented players but every year it's something whether it's injuries whether it's special teams it's always something it's the San Diego Chargers my favorite LA Chargers yep. we do this all the time I don't know. we yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm here Please for forgive me. That's, that's why they bring I'm not, I'm not perfect I, like you, no, no 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 the San Diego Chargers are in your heart well they should be we my favorite soundbite after week one that we aired on Football Night in America was Philip Rivers when he said, these seasons are like the Tour de France. The problem is they're always in the mountain stage. Yeah. They're always <laughs> climbing back uphill. Yeah. And don't dig yourself a hole like you did last year, because if they didn't, they would have been a playoff team last year. Down the sideline. Oh, receiver is there. Catch me. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Right over the shoulder to Michael Evans. A great throw on third down by Ryan Fitzpatrick. My goodness, is there anything he can't do today on opening day? Buccaneers went in to New Orleans today and blasted the Saints, destroyed my survivor pool and everyone else's. <laughs> Coach, you're the Tampa guy. You're going to be going to the barbershop. What do we make of what happened? Barbershop is excited and pumped up. And I was at the Bucks practice last week, and the offensive guys, Ryan Fitzpatrick told you they aren't surprised. They aren't. They felt like they would go in there and put up big numbers. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is a smart quarterback. They had a lot of confidence in him. In fact, Jason Light, their GM, told me he went out specifically this year and got pass rushers because he was going to have to get after some people to finish some games when they were ahead. And they're, they're extremely excited. Yeah, but when I look at the Saints, I just I was very disappointed in the Saints because you had such a great year last year. You come back and you completely disregard or take for granted this team that's in your division, has a lot of weapons. And to me, it was it's, it's not always bad when something like that happens because it humbles you, it brings you back down to earth, and you realize you're not as good as you think you are. What is this day all about? overreaction from week Always. one, right? Always. But just now you think about it, the prism through which you see these things. New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Tennessee, and Buffalo, playoff teams who lose, and then the way you lose it, yeah. Pittsburgh was a tie. That kind of doesn't feel as good for those teams. And those yeah. are the ones that I'm watching closely. And like you said, New Orleans was a top 10 scoring defense last year. Giving up 48 to Tampa, that was a wow, sit me back in my seat part At of week home, one. You know, the Dome has been such a tough place to play over the years. You just don't expect them to give up that many points at home. And, and there was that real buzz about the Saints that they could be a Super Bowl team, and we focus so much on their offense. But all those young players and, and all the injuries they went through last year, if they get healthy this year, everything falls into place. But nothing fell into place for them today, especially Now, they moved the ball well, but defensively, that was a shot. You would almost think if Drew Brees had 500 touchdowns, 500 yards, three touchdowns that you're going to win this ball game at home. And I always say forget about what happens week one unless you're at home and you lose <laughs> yeah. to a division rival because you have to That's go true. play them eventually and you're going to have a hard time winning your division. And the Bucks, who knows? They may be for real. Foster's They're not barbershop. for real. No, <laughs> Foster's Barbershop is exploding right now. And All right. Saying, Wait till we get so James. are a playoff back. team, you think? It's, it's, it's just week one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's only week one. He didn't want to say no. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.